And that's just how it is. And I find that is still true today. People that listen to the podcast and actually go, work for them, it, it's going to work for me, and just actually do it, then they're shocked. Hey, it really does work, you know? So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Happy episode 1000. Before I go into my special interview, I just want to share a quick five-minute clip, some video testimonials, some of the people that have been on the show recently talking about the Real Estate Rockstars hitting a thousand episodes. Hey, just a little quick shout out to Pat. Uh, Pat's been an amazing leader in the real estate industry for many, many years. I was honored to be on the program a couple of different times. And it was always a pleasure. Pat's a, a really good interviewer, but he also drags out of you the best nuggets possible. Uh, he always asks for better ideas and digging deeper, getting really tactical. And I always appreciated that when I had the opportunity to, to sit and chat with him. And it was such a pleasure to be with him. And I wish him all the best in the world. So have a great day. And thank you for doing everything you've done for the industry, Pat. Hey, Aaron and Pat, congratulations on a thousand episodes. Yes, Real Estate Rockstars has been fantastic for me and my career. When I was a guest, there were actually a few uh, listeners that reached out to me, two of which that I continue to speak with to this day. They participate every week in my real estate think tank, and it's just been terrific for me, terrific for them. I've been able to refer business to them. Um, and it's just, it's a breath of fresh air. So congratulations on a thousand episodes and keep going. It's just fantastic. Hey Pat, it's Wilson, Go Abundance member and also real estate agent. I started my career about 10, 11 years ago and one of the most impactful podcasts was yours. And I just want to say thank you for starting the Real Estate Rockstars pod podcast as it's made a big influence on my business. And this is the first year that our small team is crossing the 200 million mark. And part of that success is definitely thanks to your podcast. Have a great day. Hey, Pat, Kimberly Miserve here in Boston, Massachusetts. Congratulations on 1,000 episodes of Real Estate Rockstars. That is a huge accomplishment. The show has been so amazing. I am grateful for the opportunities that I've had. I think now I've been on the show three times as a guest. Um, and it's just been great for my career, to be completely honest. I've gotten a lot of referrals. I've met amazing people. And I can't wait for the next 1,000 milestone. Aaron, Pat, this is Elliot Hoyt over in Boise, Idaho. I just want to take a quick second to say congratulations on episode 1,000 of Real Estate Rockstars. Huge achievement. Pat, thank you for uh, getting the, the train rolling um, all those years ago. I can confidently say that Real Estate Rockstars has had a very positive impact and a big impact on my career. Um, I started listening way back in 2018, 19, when I first started my career. Um, went through some hard times in the beginning and I can confidently say that Real Estate Rockstars definitely helped impart lots of wisdom, lots of knowledge from all the guests you've had on the show um, up until this point have helped shape my career. 
you know, I went from doing nothing to to a lot more um, in three years, from you know zero sales volume all up to you know approaching forty million now in year three. I can confidently say that that is a direct result of the the, the wealth of information I've been able to uh, tap in and lean in on from Real Estate Rockstar. So again, congratulations. Uh, thank you for everything you've done, Pat and, and Aaron. Thank you for everything you continue to do to help grow this podcast and help grow this community that we have here in Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Pat. Uh, One thousand episodes. That's amazing. I would have never, I would have never guessed. I don't know what episode number it was, but the first time I listened, ironically, um, Pat was interviewing Tim Road. At the very end, they were talking about abundance and some other things. So, <clears throat> for me, at least, the rest is history. I, I was just sponging it up. I probably played the episode five or six times, implemented a bunch of tactics that I've learned over the years from the show directly, joined GoBundance, and it's been like a rocket ship. So I cannot thank you enough. Aaron, thanks for grabbing the torch and running with it. And Pat, thanks for everything that you did to get this far. Hey, Pat Hyben, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Nick Crowder, author of The Golden Handoff. I've been on the show a couple of times, and I want to say thank you so much. Um, Thousands and thousands of people have learned about the book, The Golden Handoff, because of Real Estate Rockstars and Pat Hyben. And I've learned so much from listening to other uh, successful realtors, thought leaders, business people on the show. So congrats on your thousandth episode, and uh, here's to many more. Hi, Pat. Congratulations on 1,000 episodes for Real Estate Rockstars. Wanted to send a huge thank you for starting the podcast. The stories that the guests would share not only helped me grow my business early in my career, but also kept me super motivated throughout the years. So thank you so much. My favorite podcast out there. Congrats. Hey, Pat Hyben, mighty man. What's going on, brother? It's your brother from another mother and longtime peer partner for life, David Osborne. And I just wanted to congratulate you, man. You are a difference maker. You're an impact haver. You created real estate rock stars and like everything you do, it had a massive impact. Well, congratulations on episode 1000. It's uh, an honor to know you. You're a significantly impactful and amazing man. And you're a great friend and a great brother. And you have left your mark on the world, my friend. Congratulations. 1,000 episodes of Real Estate Rockstars, another mark in the tree of life by the great Pat Hyben. Love you, brother. Bye-bye. Pat, just want to say congratulations on starting a movement that has culminated in 1,000 episodes and counting, helping real estate agents make money everywhere and blowing up the phrase Real Estate Rockstar. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchistegui. You know, I thought, should I even do this intro or not? This is episode 1000, and I have a super special guest. I'm going to let himself introduce himself. The What is up, real estate rock stars? I am not a real estate agent, nor am I a podcast host. Guess who I am? <laughs> yeah. You recognize. And it's my choice. I'm free. No, uh, it's... Uh, it's Pat Hyben, and I'm glad to be back. And then thanks for her, uh, having me, Aaron. Yeah. The, you know, so for all of you guys that have just started listening in the past two years, I took over as the host of Real Estate Rockstars podcast two years ago. But for all of you longtime listeners, and I know there's a ton of you guys out there because when I get to interview you, you talk about those original episodes with Pat. Pat was the founder, the guy that started this movement. And I had just shared a, a video with Pat 
that I think you guys are going to, maybe you've had have seen this at the beginning of the episode, or I'm going to, I'm going to let you hear it somewhere in the middle of this. But I reached out to some of the agents we've had on the show and said, Hey, if real estate rock stars has changed your life, please, you know, share it with me. And several people sent over some videos to congratulate us on hitting a thousand episodes because what Pat did was really create a movement. You know, we've got Elliot who was on the podcast saying he was a Uber driver listening to Pat on the podcast. And he was like, should I become an agent? And then he became an agent. And then last year he hit the 30 under 30 and now his volumes at 40 million a year. And he would not have been licensed if he hadn't been listening to the podcast. When Elliot was telling me that he was teary eyed. I was teary eyed as I'm interviewing him. And I was thinking, this is incredible. Steffi Heiser, I interviewed her recently on the show. And she said she was a like a vice principal to school, principal of school. She's a good friend of mine. So I, I, I should not mess up her story uh, at all. But she's like working at a school, listening to the podcast as she's going back and forth, working at a school, decides to become an agent. And she said she already felt like a pro because she had listened to the podcast for so long that she was able to hit the ground running and start doing deals in the first month or two. When you started, Pat, did you, did you think about the possible impact? Did you think about changing people's lives with, you know, as you were getting it going? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't think I ever think in that term of changing people's lives. I mean, it's kind of, it would be kind of, if I said yes, right. That I, that I thought I could change lives, but, but, but I think that I thought that I could change the way people think, that I could change the way. I was always annoyed by the way agents uh, rounded all the edges and, you know, you never got straight answers from them when it, came, when it comes to their numbers and specifics and, 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 and exactly what they're doing. You know what I mean? Rather than them saying, oh, well, you know, I did 50 deals last year. How'd you get them? SOI you know, or something like that, or, you know, working my sphere. And then, and I wanted to be like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, you need to slow it down, you know, to give me exactly like a third grader can understand what you're doing to work your sphere and, and, and how much are you making per deal and, and all that stuff. And, and I thought I could change the way agents think about uh, paying attention to their money, their commissions, and their tactical actions that they take to make them more like other successful agents. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like you want to cut through the BS. Right? Yeah. People, people I just like, wanted to give them like how to every day. Yeah. Specifically. Exactly. So that they could, cause I was dumb, you know, I was a dumb, someone asked me this just recently last week I was in Mexico and this, uh, a woman asked me, she said, how were you successful? And I said, really, I, I was just dumb. I just was naive. I just, you know, the, somebody told us to go sit in a corner and pick up the phone book and call everybody in there. And I was the only one in the class of 30 agents that actually did it. And, you know, and, and, and that's just how it is. And I find that is still true today. People that listen to the podcast and actually go work for them, could work, it's, it, it's going to work for me and just actually do it. And then they're shocked. Hey, it really does work, you know? Yeah. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. 
It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I want to sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for $220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. The when, One of the times I interviewed David Green on the podcast, he talked about early on, he heard one of your podcasts where somebody had said, no, I go help the people move. So early to drum up business, like part of that sphere of influence is he would go help them move into the house. And while he was doing that, he got to meet the brother, the sister, the other people as part of this thing. And it was automatically like outreaching to everybody else in the sphere. There's so many little actionable tips that people said, yes, I heard this on the podcast. I implemented it right away and I made it. And then being able to cut through that BS. There are a few people have applied and then when we share the questions with them. They go, I don't actually want to share my GCI yet. And I remember even when I first joined GoBundance, it was the first time ever that people were comfortable saying, this is how much money I make or lost. This is how I did it. And this is where I want to get to. And being able to talk about money openly really did change my life instead of like being afraid to, my only friends were like kids I was in line with at my kid's school, other parents at my kid's school. And I couldn't tell them this is how much money I was making or how much money I lost. It just wasn't part of the conversation. And being able to actually talk openly about numbers it really helps people succeed and being able to cut through, cut through the BS. Um, it was out there. You remember yeah. your, your Tracy interview, Tracy, the, the million dollar listing lady. Oh yeah. 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 The, I Tracy interviewed Tracy Tudor. I interviewed Mark McGuire a month ago and I said, what was your favorite episode? And he said, hands down the Tracy Tudor <laughs> episode, hands down, you know, because, and, and if you guys, we talked about it last month with Mark, but if you guys haven't listened to it yet, it was such a, it was a testament to exactly why Pat talked about starting the podcast at the beginning where he, he wanted to cut through the BS. He wanted to know what the actual numbers are to make sure that an agent is actually good and that they can share something. And he said, you know, what's your average sales price? And she's like, well, I'm a million dollar agent. And he goes, well, how many houses have you sell, sold in the last year? And she goes, well, I don't know that number. Something like this, something like this, and she goes, "Well, how many have you sold in the last week?" And she's, she turns off her camera and she's and she thinks that she's muted and she starts yelling like, "Why am I on this podcast? This is some shit." And the other cool thing about those comments that came in, so many people said, "Wow, like an agent should know their numbers," and "Wow, she sure wasn't acting very nice." But the biggest compliment was a compliment to you, Pat, of how you were able to handle that, like this lady like yelling, and you're like. Hey, I'm still here. I was <laughs> like, and actually I held my breath for a little bit. She cursed me, right? She yeah. called me an effing clown or something like that. Yes. And then she's laughing. And I'm like, 
Um, what should I do? Because I really was nervous because I was essentially recording her, you know, and, and then her assistant gets on and is like, you're still on. She goes, no, I'm not. And, and she said, it's the video is off, but the thing is on. And anyways, that was a, that was a classic. I'll never forget that one. That's what every, that's the one everybody remembers for sure. Hey, but I want to go back to that other one that you just mentioned, the, um, the one about helping people move, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, I can't remember the couple's name. They were a young couple. He was like an ex-Marine. But I, I thought of that last week in, in talking to somebody. They were telling me about how their business has kind of stalled a little bit and the market's so competitive. And I was asking what they do. And they were telling me how everything's digital. They don't meet anybody anymore. Everything's so easy with Zoom and with you know DocuSign and everything. And I told him about that episode. I said, really, you know, if you want to increase, if you want to go from your two or three sales a month to 10 or five or seven, I said, you need to start doing something differently. And and I said, you ought to think outside of the box. Like, don't, you know, don't send stuff on DocuSign anymore. You know, go over to their house. Just think how much referrals you'll get from being able to go over their house and actually explain it like they did in the old days, right? Mm-hmm. Constantly stop by and drop things off. Help them move. You know, it's the goal shouldn't be how many, how can I avoid ever meeting them until settlement? It should go from that and into, you know, how can I meet him as much as possible during the listing period? Because let's just assume that COVID's over and that it's okay that I stop by their house. You got to get out of that mindset, like, and use COVID using COVID as an excuse not to meet with people, and 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 you'll win the listing if they're if they're if they're interviewing three agents and you know you're the only one to keep showing up. You're going to get the listing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think. I think a lot of us in the real estate industry were, were able to get lazy over the last 18 months because even as listings, people would say, if I owned it and I was listing it and they would say, here's my request for repairs. And I would say, no, I've got nine other offers. I'm not going to do a repair, right? Or agents are like, yeah, I could go to your house, but I don't have to. I've got so many deals right now or so much stuff. Like you, it's, you, I, could be a, I could be a jerk and you have to work with me or you're going to lose the house was this mindset where now as it slows down a little bit and you've got somebody saying, Hey, I need a little bit more work. I think, I think it's a great point that classic or old fashioned gets to become popular again, where it's like, no, like I'm, I'm not going to do everything on. If you've got more deals than you can deal with and more leads than you can deal with and using systems and CRMs to like fast pace it and VAs and things like that. I admire that. If you need if you need business though, it's like going back to the basics of of that of the customer service with people of knocking on the door. There was an interview with a guy just a few weeks ago. He was doing a drop by, right, knocking on the door of somebody he'd worked with before, and the guy had said, "Hey, is this other thing real?" He was looking at like one of those you know I buyer offers, and was like, "Hey, should I like I reached out to this person?" But because he had knocked on the door, the guy was like, "Hey, is open door really work?" And they were like, well, let me see your offer. And they were, you know, and it was a different company, but it was one of those iBuyers. And he goes, well, yeah, yes, but I could also list it for you and we could do this. And this is how it's going to work. And he got the business because he did the drop by at a random time. And the guy wasn't going to bug him. He was just going to try to get that quick offer. Like there's systems really help grow businesses, but nothing 
grows your reputation quite like, you know, hands-on service and people seeing you face-to-face. But it was when David Green was slow on business, helping people move, ended up getting, turning one sale into three or four. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that now's the time to start getting back in. Yeah. The other guys aren't because everybody else is lazy, especially now coming up the holidays, you know, now's the time to get down to the nitty gritty and start and, 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 you know, start hustling because your competitors won't be. Yeah. Getting the, trying to do the extra, the, you and I, February, 2020, we were doing a state of the market and we were talking about, will code the article was, could COVID impact the real estate market? And it was a March before it was the month before everything went weird. And you and I are reading this article and we're trying to figure out, I remember describing it as the super flu and going like, man, what a strange thing. Like, how could something like that, you know, and it was thinking back now to like a month before it happened, like it was a big deal in China and it was a big deal in Italy, but it wasn't a big deal in the US yet. And then seeing how that kind of totally changed the game. It really makes uh, talking about real estate news important. Do you remember how long, how, how far, how long you had been in the show before you started doing the state of the markets where you started dissecting the news and telling people about it? Uh, probably, I, you know, I think I only did that like a year, right? I think I, the total was a year. So if I did it for five years, then I, you know, four, I didn't do it. So yeah, it was, right. it was a fairly new thing. Well, you transitioning to that. I remember when I, I first took over, we have so many people that love the state of the market new stuff. I, I've had a couple of people recently kind of reshare it and do their own videos and their complaints is we don't do it often enough anymore really? to also help people dissect the news because all the fake news is out there. Well, yeah. And, and, and things, you know, things do become a cliche if, if uh, with agents sometimes, you know what I mean? Like you could, you could have three agents in a row tell you they get the business the same way. You know what I mean? You really got to dig for agents that are doing stuff differently. So the state of the market kind of uh, gives you a new stuff every week or, or every, whenever you do it, it gives you, it gives you new stuff to talk about that makes it new and engaging. You know what I mean? Uh, so did you yeah, see that so- Zillow, have you been watching the news with Zillow? They had their iBuyer program. And they bought a bunch of houses. And then they, a few weeks ago, they said, hey, we're going to take a break. We're not going to buy any more houses until uh, the end of the year. And then they broke, Business Insider broke a story that Zillow was taking a loss on 90% of their resales in like the Phoenix, Arizona area. And right after Zillow said, as like part of news work. And then when Zillow saw that, I think they responded to that and said, okay, we're actually shutting down our program and we lost a whole bunch of money on it. What do you think about all that? They have 7,000 homes to sell. Average price is around 400 grand all at once. They got 7,000 homes on the market. I don't know what that means. Like, you know what I mean? From a, from a nationwide aspect, I don't know how many houses 7,000 is probably not that much, right? Maybe it is. I don't know, but, but they're all for sale. So yeah. So it's interesting and they're probably lose money on all of them. Yeah, they're going to lose money and they were, as they try that experience. Hey, real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Muchastegui and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at 
for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Bob. You know, on an interview last week with Agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was. And he said it was Follow Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use Follow Up Boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses Follow Up Boss to get a 400% ROI on its massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses Follow Up Boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses Follow Up Boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, Follow Up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. You know, there was, there's been a lot of times over the past few years, the conversation was, you know, will Zillow replace agents and agents are paying Zillow for ads, but then Zillow is going to try to do it themselves. And can technology replace agents? And, and then we get to see this full cycle thing. And I think now Zillow is like, we're, Hey, we're not going to try that part of the business anymore, or they're going to do it, or they're going to change to something else. Do you think it impacts the story you tell yourself that someone should tell themselves about technology replacing agents or is Zillow something to be feared? Because there was a time when it was like, don't give Zillow your money for ads because they're trying to steal our business eventually. Well, I mean, I think that on, on one hand, you could look at it as, yeah, their, their technology. I mean, I can remember you and I talking about it and on the state of the market before you even bought the podcast. Like, yeah. like, so that's how long ago it was, right? When it was coming out, then everybody started doing it. But it is possible that the market, that the economics of the market made the technology look like it was working and, and maybe the fact that it's not working anymore is indicative that the market is going down, if that makes sense, you know? So I, I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, one thing you got to think about, Aaron, is... Zillow's, a, you know, there, there, there's a hundreds, if not thousands, of PhDs that work at Zillow, right in the yep. main office. There's all kinds of really smart people. The CEO there's brilliant. Maybe they know something we don't know. You know, maybe, maybe they see like the the market is is peaked and it's going to go start going down the mountain now, and it would be a really bad time to get into the flipping game at this juncture. So we're out. That is such an interesting perspective because you're, you're totally right. When, when the market is increasing, like it did the last two years, it makes every flipper, every iBuyer look brilliant. 
anybody that bought a house and you could, it makes really, really bad flippers look brilliant. Cause if you were right. so bad, it took you six months to remodel a house. You actually made more money than if you would have remodeled it in a month because the market's increasing. And I, one of the, when I was asking myself, like Zillow is selling all these houses and they're going to take a $500 million loss or big numbers. Right. And the numbers are so big. It's tough to even comprehend what's real big or not. Just like you said, is 7,000 houses a lot? I don't know. Is $500 million loss for Zillow that much? I don't know. But part of me says the market for the last year, if you bought a house a year ago, if you bought 7,000 houses a year ago and you owned them today, they would be worth more than $500 million more, right? So part of me thinks if they believed the market was going to continue, they would say our cost of money is 4%. The market's going to increase more. We'll just wait and sell these things in six months. Even if they right. do nothing and sell them six months from now, they should right. sell for more. Right. Unless market's going down or balancing out. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. But instead, they're like, nope, they, they laid off 25% of their workforce. I don't know what that means either. If those were contractors or agents or what. But that's any company laying off 25% of their workforce in one week is a lot. It's funny, though. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's like easy come, easy go. Because it reminds me of conversations you and I had on this show where we're just like, oh, my God, this is a new thing. And everybody was getting in it, right? Everybody was getting in this. And I knew all along, right? I, or I've known all along, and, and I could be wrong even making this statement because it could get another three, four years out of it. But it felt like I knew all along that it's, you know, people don't realize that things do change, you know? They, do, they go up and they go down. That's what the, it's always been like that. I, Dude, I need to have somebody go through all of our old shows and our predictions <laughs> and try to do a, what they got right. And what I they remember, got wrong. I remember when um, the market crashed in like the stock market crashed and like uh, whenever the last time it did. And um, somebody took all these uh, Kramer from Mad Money and all these predictions he had. Yeah, buy, 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 here, go, here, go, here. And then they, they minced them all together in like a YouTube video and it just made him look like hell. And they could probably find that for tons of tons of episodes, but who knows, right? I mean, who could I don't know that this is the beginning of the end. I just think it's interesting to think about what is what does Zillow know and what do we not know? Because um, it still still feels like with the agents I talk to, best month ever. You know, there's agents that are like tripling their business <laughs> compared to last year with very little effort. So it's fascinating the, the numbers that I'm talking to agents and top agents that I know, and they're doing numbers that I never were, was able to do as an agent. And I'm like, how did you do that? You know what I mean? How did that come from? Yeah. So, yeah. Big. You're right. It's, and we've talked about it a lot this last year. There's like two different experiences. Some agents have gone from doing lots of volume to nothing. I told you in my foreclosure business, I went from buying 15 a month to like buying three or four since then. Like one of my businesses completely changed and other agents that are like, yes, it's been so, so good. And we're still seeing, and, and I think it depends on the city. We're still seeing houses sell pretty quick, but the, but like six months ago, you could sell a really funky house, like really bad price, needed a lot of work and it would sell. And today those aren't selling as quick. We had in our, in our rental inventories, out of our you know 600 houses, we had three or four vacancies two or three months ago. And right now we have 30 vacancies. And in one of our towns, just houses for rent, the 
a few months ago, there was only 20 on the market in this town just outside of Austin. And now there's 200 houses listed for rent. And so we're seeing some different changes where during COVID, we were- Let me slow this down if you don't mind. Out of how many? Two, you went from two to 30. Right. So 600 houses, right? So the, so 600 houses, we had two or three vacancies. Two vacancies. Jeez. So so during COVID, we went to this 99.9% occupancy. Our rent collection was high. And in just the last few months, and every year when we were renewing, now we you're were re- five five percent thirty, which isn't bad. What five thirty out of six hundred five percent? What was it before COVID? It, so we're performing better than before COVID still. So the but but well, we're probably getting really close to pre-COVID numbers. It was really normal before COVID for us to see between a five and ten percent occupancy in our rentals, and then soon after COVID, our occupancy rates went way way up. And we could start renewing people at like crazy numbers. We could say you were renting at a thousand dollars last month, last year. We're now raising it to twelve fifty because that's where the market's at, and people were renewing. In the last few months, we saw people not renewing as quickly with those huge increases, deciding to move into different places instead. So definitely seeing a trend. I so I guess I would I said it's still better than COVID, but I bet it's probably a, right now the market is probably about like it was, you know, two months before COVID hit. And two or three months ago, it was still super high occupancy, super high collection. So part of my point was that I was thinking Zillow knows that they know how many people are clicking the button, right? They know how many people are like expressing interest in a house in a neighborhood or not. So they may see buyer trends way before we do because so many people are hitting their site. They may be like, oh, there's, you know, there's 5,000 less people in Arizona looking for houses right now or 5,000 less people clicking our website a month. So there's probably some other trends that I think it's it's definitely worth trying to be cautious about. Maybe they screwed up and overpaid a whole bunch of stuff because they just bought too quickly. Um, or maybe they know something about, but the holding it and se- it, it, selling it now instead of waiting six to nine months and selling it for a lot more is the part that, I, that gives me some pause, I think for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Well, who knows? What's up with your investments? The pre-COVID to now. I know you you've got all sorts of real estate and horizontal. Yeah, r- rents are up, vacancies uh, still down. I I don't I don't have the vast numbers that you do to where I could actually look at it and say that. But on the surface, it seems good, really good. Yeah, I I have not seen that. What that that one seems drastic of that that, that town you said there were. There were 20, now there's 200 or something like that for rent. That's a lot of houses for rent in a zip code. Yeah, that's Colleen, Texas, hour north of Austin, one of my favorite markets. The um, But that's a lot of houses for rent today. What do you think to- did that? Did did, it, did someone build an apartment complex or something or a couple apartment complexes? Or why is there vacancy so much? You know, there... So it's the biggest army base in the US or maybe second biggest army base in the US there. And I think... It could be something as simple as when people are getting their orders during deep in COVID, nobody really wanted to move. So it's it's common here where a soldier is getting moved from like Colleen to Iraq and the spouse decides to move in with, you know, move in with their parents back in like I'm moving to Oklahoma, live back with my mom while my husband's overseas, right? or husband, wife, whatever. So that's a fairly common thing. I think maybe during COVID, there was just less of that. It was like, you know what, he's going there, but rather than move, I just want to stay put. I don't want to make any changes in my life right now. And so it could just be, 
getting back to kind of some normalcy in the market of, you know, every few months, soldiers get orders to move around. They're a big part of the rental community in, in the city. There's new construction has been getting built there too. So the, we've, we've bought a lot of new construction kind of duplexes for rents, you know, 60, we bought 60 units that were new construction vacant when we got them. So that could start to impact that, but I haven't seen, I, I, but I haven't put my finger on it. It's worth looking at now. I think part of me, the only cause I was looking at was, oh, the market's changing. It's hard. Essentially, it's harder to rent stuff out right now and hadn't really gone into the cause other than going like, oh man, if there's this many houses on the market, we got to a point where we're like, hey, no more pets and we're going to raise rents a lot. And now we're like, oh, should we let pets start coming back in houses? Should we start? Should we bring our first month free back into the, the marketing? The stuff that we were having to market before COVID, we took it away six months ago because the market was so hot. And now that it's, and now it's like, maybe, maybe it's just back to a normal market and, and maybe a normal market means we have to work harder and your houses aren't going to automatically appreciate 10% over six months. So you sell, you keep your good ones and you sell your bad ones. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break. Now you've been listening, you've been waiting, and now the big rent ready mystery can be revealed. Rent ready just launched rental property accounting for landlords. It's so new, I haven't even got a chance to check it out yet. Now you can easily connect your rental properties from RentReady to an accounting software created specifically for landlords with RentReady's newest partner, REI Hub. Now I've used a lot of payment processing systems in the past and it's always been a challenge even asking them to generate APIs so it can talk to our existing systems. And they're really, any software that collects payments doesn't make it very easily to do that. But now with RentReady, you can automatically transfer properties and charges from your RentReady profile. You can track your income and expenses with matching rules and payment templates to speed up your bookkeeping. View your profit and loss or cash flow by property or unit. Get your portfolio's balance sheet, schedule ease, and more. Guys, we're so excited about this. And here's something even more exciting. As always, with Rockstars, you get a special, special opportunity. If you're not currently using RentReady, you can sign up using our special code ROCKSTAR50 and get 50% off your RentReady subscription. Once you set up your properties, you can add rental property accounting as a premium feature. If you're currently using RentReady, go check out the new accounting features designed to save you time and money while you manage your business. And remember, it's RentReady with an I at the end, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. Thanks for listening. Go check them out. Yep. Where, are you li- where are you living right now? I live in uh, outside of Charleston, South Carolina. Are you? Did you stop your? Uh, bike? Are you doing any more bike tours out there? No, no. That was actually pre-COVID. Believe it or not, that was a long yeah, time. That was right. My last, my last pedicab ride was uh, St. Patrick's Day, two thousand and nineteen. Was it nineteen? Twenty? Two thousand twenty? I guess hadn't been that long, right? Dude, I got a, uh, I got a kick out of that. You, that's crazy. You, you got a job as a pet. You got so bored with all of your, you have all, you have so, so many different businesses and investments that have been so big and you've got GoBundance, which you, you guys have started and grown into something major, you know, at the, the end of your little five minute video is David Osborne on there kind of congratulating you for the movement that you started with this podcast and, uh, and how surreal it all is. But the, yeah, you decided to be a pedicab driver. Kind of for fun. Go meet people. Go talk, talk people, talk to people, and drive them around on the bike. And the uh, what are you doing for fun now? Yeah, that's that's interesting, right? Like, so you know, I was talking to somebody this morning, actually, a coach, and I was talking about my mental struggles with being versus doing 
which I'm at a point in my life where like I struggle with that daily, right? Like what's like uh, at, 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 what, what level of being is okay and what level of doing is okay because I come from a, a, of a history of always doing. And um, he told me about a friend of his who created a personal policy where he doesn't commit to any project beyond 90 days. So somebody came up to him and said, hey, you want to write a book together? And he said, tell me about the book project. And he said, da, 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 da. he goes, no, it's more than 90 days. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Hmm. Guy says, how about you write a book? And, you know, I do all the other work after that. And he said, okay, I'll do that because it fits within a 90 day. And that's kind of where I'm at. I think in my life, I kind of been thinking about that ever since. And I'm thinking, you know, he, this guy made it a personal policy. So then it, it there in, it became okay. And for me, it was, I didn't really understand it to be okay. And I kind of think I'm kind of thinking like that today, like that's a great personal policy, right? If you give me a project or you give me something to do, I'm a really, really good project planner and an implementer. But when it comes beyond 90 days, I get bored. I don't want to be beholden to the work beyond 90 days. And I, and again, so my psychology behind it was that that was wrong. And after this session this morning, it's like, now that's okay. I can even say it here live on a podcast. So, so I have 90 day projects. You know what I mean? Tim Rode and I are writing a book. Uh, We've already finished it. It's called the quitters manifesto. It's about how to quit your W2 job. Basically, uh, Tim talks about how he quit at 40 years old, never went back. How I quit at 46 uh, years old, never went back. We have seven uh, guests inside the book. We tell their stories of how they quit and never went back. And then we created a little, a little book, a 125-page book. And it, uh, we just signed a contract with Bigger Pockets Publishing. It comes out in June. So that is a, a small 90-day project, right? Right. Like the next 90 days, we're going to do the marketing and do all the book covers, you know, all the BS like that. Um, and then doing investments for me is a 90-day project, right? We just I just picked up a couple of new investments. Um, I've just we've got a shopping center. David Osborne, Tim Rowe and I have a shopping center. We just put that up on the market. This week, that was a little project for me because it took, you know, a good couple of weeks. I interviewed four different agents, you know, so it was enough of a project that I wanted to do it. So I just spend my time uh, doing that. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever comes down the pike. And generally, a new project comes down the pike if the universe is open to it, whether it's in some, some investment comes in front of me or, or it ends up being a trip. I just got back from Ecuador and the Galapagos Islands. Uh, then I went to Cozumel, Mexico. I'm going to Antarctica. Um, so, you know, I, I, I fill my time with that and um, that sort of thing. I'm doing my first Airbnb, which I've never done one before. Bought a house on a lake in North Carolina near Asheville. Uh, my wife and I have been buying furniture and decorations, and that's kind of fun. Uh, we're, we're personalizing it, uh, but it's going to be an Airbnb. So, you know. There, there, there's always stuff. Uh, kind of, you just gotta, just gotta wait for it, and let it happen. Such words of wisdom. Are you going on an Antarctica trip with like that? Uh, is it like an entrepreneur mastermind doing it? Yeah, it's through uh, Yonex Silver. Yonex deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 
Oh, maybe I'll go. I got the invite on that. I was looking at that. The I was talking to Cameron Harold about it, and the and I was thinking, am I brave enough to go? Pat to, and uh, Sam Cullinan are going, and I believe David Lover's going. So, what a cool, cool thing the, to go experience. I like what you just said about your ninety day projects. I hear all the time from people saying, "I will never retire because I don't know what I would do with myself." And the sad part about that is there's so much other fun, exciting stuff to do. And I love your idea of going, you're not really, re- you've retired from a lot of the stuff that you did a lot, but the, but you get to do all these projects all the time, all these different money makers. Over the last year, we've been, I've been trying to tell agents about essentially investing. Real, being a real estate agent is awesome. And even when I interviewed you last and we talked about your book, and that was the seven step, uh, the six steps to seven figures, six steps to seven figures. I said, what was your favorite? And you said, invest because I should have done it sooner. I should have done it more. I should have done it more often. Real estate agents, most people get into real estate. I mean, a lot of get, people get into real estate for different reasons, but one of the exciting things about real estate is you can make a lot of money at it with a very low level barrier to entry. And there's no cap to how much money you can make, right? You can make you can go from a hundred thousand a year to a million dollars a year to 10. Like there is, if you're new and you're listing, there's no cap to this. Sky's the limit. You could be a high school dropout. Sky's the limit. You know, sky is the limit. Tim Rode will tell you that when I can't wait to read your quitters manifesto because Tim's a great story with that. So many of us are guys who are like, we're pretty average. We did stuff in real estate and financially it worked out really well. But the other side of making a bunch of money as a real estate agent is investing it and you're getting to reap those benefits now you've been you were an active you were an active working making money investing in different sources and now you're getting to do so much much more of that so you've got a bunch of fun projects the the quitters manifesto is coming out yeah uh, you're you're still going to all the go abundance events and leading all the international yeah and then there's go abundance and you know go abundance is a for me is um you know it's taken on a life of its own it's like just any great company it's doing what any great company is has done um, which is, you know, continue to grow, continue to add uh, employees, uh, and and with that high level employees that run it. And for years, you know, as founders, we we ran the thing like it was our baby. And now we have very high paid uh, people like Chris Ryan, Melanie Andreda, uh, who are running this thing, and doing a phenomenal job, and and we're not needed, and it's a great lesson in, um, you know, you know, that's okay. That's how it's supposed to be. You don't need to butt your head in all the time. You know, we're, there's like 600 members. There's like 500 men and hundred women now. I mean, it's, and that's not even uh, JB Gruber's uh, merge and ascend. I think he's got another hundred some in that. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's going gangbusters. Going gangbusters. I went and, and spoke then, to the Emerge group when they were out here in Austin. There was a lot of guys that are really exciting. The uh, well, you're doing you're doing a bunch of fun stuff. We're at, we're at the top of the hour in our recording. I know I already took a bunch of your time today to, to get to catch up. And uh, a thousand episodes. I think about the idea of how grateful I am that I got to take over, that I, that I got to come in and do this. And it's funny when I when we first bought the podcast, I was not planning to be the host. Right. I'd done, I'd done some with <laughs> yeah, you. You but, didn't know. You're like, I don't know who'd be the host. Right. I was interviewing people. They were doing trials and I would kind of fill in when, when no one would show up. Right. Or when like someone would cancel or I, I needed to. And it has been such a, a, a fun experience to get to try to, to fill in your shoes and continue the stories and try to continue the things that were 
important to you, like a- asking the deep questions and trying to cut through the BS and making sure every time I finish, I say, did I add value? Like, did people like it? Did we give them actionable tips that they wouldn't have got otherwise where somebody might decide to quit their job and go become an agent and find that sky's the limit? Well, clearly everybody wanted um, wanted a break because from me, because your numbers are almost twice what mine were, it seems, after two years. Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, you're doing a great job and people love listening to you. I, I think it's uh, I think it's awesome, man. I'm so happy for you. Well, I, I super we'll see how it, how those numbers go. If the market ever adjusts, we'll see if I'm just a one hit wonder that the market was going up like well, crazy. Probably like, need you more, you would think, right? I mean, yeah. if, even if the market gets slow, you'll talk about that. You yeah. know, how to get back, how to, you know, a down market toolkit. <laughs> you know, you'll be, people need that more, I bet, you know? Yeah. I th- you know what, Pat? I, I think you're right. Any last things you want to tell all the listeners? No, it's great to see everybody again. That sounds funny, right? Uh, great to hear who, whatever you want to call it. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for staying loyal uh, to the show. Uh, I still get to listen to Aaron on here. I still kind of watch uh, from afar and uh, I'm so happy that it's, that it's, that it's become what it has become and that it's still chugging along and that so many agents are being a part of it and the guests are, are, are excited and, and it's changing so many lives. Uh, Aaron showed me the video. Uh, it really warmed my heart uh, right before the show started. It was a great way to start the show uh, for all you guys that did video testimonials. Thank you very much. That means a lot. I, you know, it was a blast from the past. I saw some of you guys in there. I was like, oh yeah, I remember interviewing her or him. So, anyways, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on for the thousandth episode. And. It, Aaron, if there's ever anything I can do, you know, reach out anytime. Happy to do a state of the market anytime you got some good uh, good news that's that we can engage back and forth on. I'd love to do it. Yeah. No, I can't wait to have you on for state of the market again. Thank you so much for coming on to celebrate episode 1000 with me today. And real estate rock stars, thanks for listening. All right, real estate rock stars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, We've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, 
go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.